there comes a time in every person's life when you realise it's not about doing what you are told, but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people who are living the life of their dreams, walking through life using their inner wisdom and being of service to others. Forget exams, grades and test scores. What is your purpose? As we let go of what we think should be and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Fire podcast. Today I'm talking to Jodie Flynn. Hi Jodie, thanks for joining me and let's explore the journey of who you are. Oh Mark, thank you for having me on. I'm so honoured and I'm so thankful for those of you who are listening in. I can't wait to talk. Can you give us a bit of an idea of, I guess, where you are in the world first of all and sort of what your life looks like at the moment? I'm based in Southern Maine, so I am in the U.S. and the Northeast, and my business is women taking the lead. That's what I'm doing in the world. I do executive leadership coaching for overachievers who are at risk for burnout, and I also do organizational workshops for people leaders, and I am also the vice president of the board for the Maine Women's Conference, so I'm all about helping women and women leaders and people leaders to enjoy what they're doing and be at their best all the time. And I think there's some great mirrors in there in terms, especially if any of you listening are still at school, that whole sense that I need to be spending 20 hours a day studying for my exams and and that whole idea of actually looking after yourself and working smart and understanding how life sort of pieces together as a tapestry and that kind of thing. And I guess that there's going to be a lot of similarities there for the sorts of things that you talk about on your podcast and the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why I focus on these types of people, because I was one of these people (laughs) and have also absolutely realized the importance of, you know, making time for other things in life and enjoying what you're doing as you're doing it. So, yeah, I can't wait to dive in. Fantastic. So what does your life look like now and how is it different from when you were growing up? Well, I'll say, you know, from a 10,000 foot version of things, (laughs) I was incredibly shy growing up. I was filled with self-doubt and thus lacked confidence to really go after what I wanted. I would have described myself as held back and hesitant. At home, I was fine. I felt completely comfortable to be myself and do what I wanted. But when I was out in the world, you know, out of that protective shelter, I was very unsure of myself and thus very awkward. (laughs) And that has completely changed completely. Although I'm not always successful in all of my endeavors, I'm not afraid to strive for what I want or to experience a failure. I'm not afraid to speak up and be myself. In fact, you know, my focus for this year, I declared, I was like, I'm going to be me and have fun with everything I'm doing. I'm declaring it. Um, And that's a complete 180 from who I was as a child growing up. I would not never have declared that. And I think it's a really interesting thing for people to to hear and also to understand is that it's very hard to see your life different, isn't it? Um, And even if you're 
sort of projecting it into the future but that kind of like say if you're shy or you're you're surrounded in an environment that you think well I can never be anything different to this or I couldn't live in a different place or I couldn't react to people in a different way or interact with people in a different way and I think hearing people who've made those changes or through their experiences actually their life looks completely different I think hopefully that's that's empowering for people listening yeah and you know it all stems to mark at the core about what we believe about ourselves like i thought that that's who i was like i thought that that was my personality that what it was not who i am it was my reaction to stress that caused me to be shy and uh, it's taken years, you know, not that it has to take other people years. It's just for me, there was no curriculum for going from being shy and stressed out to calm and confident, right? But I have discovered um, through my journey, what's at the heart of it. And that's a lot of the work that I'm doing with some of these overachievers that are at risk for burnout. Part of the reason why they're overachievers is because they are filled with self-doubt. They feel like they have to constantly prove themselves and they're driven to do that. And they do it in disregard to their own health, wellness, rest, fun and enjoyment. Like they're constantly striving to achieve goals to prove that they're worthy and they're capable. Um, When at the core of it, if they realized who they really are and what they bring to the table, they wouldn't feel like they had to do so much because they already provide tons of value. Um, But yeah, it was, it was, (laughs) I mean, it's not to say I've lived an entire lifetime, but it, it has taken, you know, me many years to realize that shyness was not who I was. It was something that I was experiencing. And I think also it's an interesting position to think about is the fact that as you said we're all on a journey we're all learning as we're going through it and we shouldn't sort of really take any shortcuts necessarily because all those experiences make us who we are and we're learning lessons as we go through but hopefully as as we talk on this podcast and people start to listen as well if you start thinking about things in a different way at whatever age that you hear them um, and hopefully all it does is it just changes the idea of ah, if I think like this then this might give me a different experience or a different reaction or a different understanding and I think there's no time like now to actually start doing that like you say it doesn't necessarily take a lifetime of experiences to change how you are it's just necessary it can just be a thought or certainly just something that just a little light bulb that goes off and you just think oh yeah there's something here that I can explore and then you can sort of go away and just see where that leads you. Yes, it's a combination of both. It's not disregarding your own journey and your own experience, right? Because you and I were chatting a little bit before we started recording about how sometimes you have to experience something over and over and over again to finally learn the lesson of it. You know, it's those experiences where you say to yourself, oh, I knew this. I knew I, I knew I needed to take a break or I knew I, I didn't need to push so hard that if I just calmed down, everything would come together. But it's not regretting those experiences, right? It's embracing the experience like, OK, this is what I needed to learn the lesson. And at the same time, knowing that, you know, human beings have experienced this before and there's probably like books you can read or things that you can discover. I mean, Google 
is an amazing tool that we have. We, you can find resources that can help you to develop in whatever area you're looking to develop. But at the same time, I'm going to reiterate, don't disregard your own journey. And some and experiences that we have, we can call them mistakes or failures. They're all opportunities for us to learn more about ourselves. Yeah, and I love that phrase, embracing what, what you're doing, no matter what it is. You know, sometimes life is easy, sometimes life can be tricky, sometimes it can be stressful. But I think, like I say, when you've got that um, sort of bird's eye view of being able to embrace it all for what it is and have that little bit of understanding that it's all part of the makeup of who you are and what you're doing, then I think it gives you, a, an, I don't know, a sort of an, an inner guidance of just kind of, oh, yeah, I get this, even if it's hard, even if it's tricky, it's giving me something. And, and actually then that's a gift, no matter, like I say, whether it's positive or, or whether you would perceive it to be negative it can always be an opportunity which I absolutely love Mm -hmm. what was valuable about your school experience well I I would say what first came comes to mind when I, I think about that question is how important mentors are in our life um you know I just talked about having your own experience and you can read books and find resources well you can actually find people (laughs) that will make a huge difference in your life and you know and I talked earlier about how shy I was and how hesitant and how full of self-doubt well I got over my self-doubt and my lack of confidence in part because I had teachers who believed in me. And they didn't just say that they believed in me, like it wasn't just words, you know, coming at me. They actually demonstrated that they believed in me. I started to see myself through their eyes and not just through my own self-critical lens. And I took on their beliefs as my own, right? It's a leap of faith when somebody tells you something about yourself in a positive light, like you can do this and you're capable, you're strong, like whatever those words are that they're sharing with you, you know, initially we feel this disconnect because it's not how we're seeing ourselves currently, but we want to believe it. And maybe there's a spark that we're like, you can you can almost see what they see, but it's a leap of faith to take on like, okay, if they see it in me, it must be true, right? And once my beliefs about myself changed and I saw myself as capable and intelligent and resourceful, my hesitancy to speak up or say yes to a new opportunity started to go away. Now, this is an ongoing process because you know i i need to continue to challenge what i believe about myself and others and the world in general but this whole process started within the school environment and the mentoring things come up quite a lot um over over the course of my interviews with people and it really is it's almost like a window into another world sometimes and it might be a a window into your world like you said in terms of seeing who you are through someone else's eyes or it might be a window into an experience or a situation or a way of living which you've had no personal experience of before but I, I think that human interaction is incredibly valuable and very powerful. Oh absolutely I mean these are the people we're spending a majority of our day with 
you know, like Monday through Friday, you know, during the school year, this is, this is the adult in our life, especially in primary school, where for the most part, you're spending most of your day with one teacher, you know, and if that teacher to you is somebody that you look up to and you admire and you respect, and in some cases from a child's eyes, like that you adore, what an amazing experience it can be. And on the flip side, I've also had, you know, experiences, let's just, let's just talk about it because it's true. Teachers who may have had my best interests at heart, but I didn't feel it, right? And I didn't sense it. And there, there wasn't the same relationship there. That was a struggle for me and had me only appreciate all the more the teachers whom I did connect with um, and and did get excited about. And I've, I've listened to some of your episodes and some of the stats that they talked about where even if a child is not interested in the subject matter, if they respect the teacher and connect with the teacher, they will still do well in that subject because of that relationship. Yeah, that really is true. And I think I think also, like you said, it's harder when you're younger because um, you might have one teacher for an entire year, which is it's only after you've done a few years that you start to understand that everyone's different and you connect to people in, in a different way. Um, yes. and, and like you say, it's really an interesting. I and mean, I've had my, my fair share of, of teachers where I just thought, oh, yeah, this is just amazing and I can do anything I like. And teachers where you just think, I'm not sure they've got my back, even if I, even if they think they have, you know, because I don't it, it just seems a little bit difficult or they don't seem to like you or yeah. they are doing something but you're not quite sure and, and it, that that's hard as well but I guess it's like you know once you've left school and you know when you're dealing with people around the world it's not everyone that you get on with or not everyone that you connect with and understanding that you sort of you can sort of find your way in whichever way that comes and that, that's 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 an important thing to learn as well like you say which comes from just being in the school environment not necessarily by what you're being taught. Yeah it's the first context in which you're learning how to get along with people, right? And maybe to continue to strive and endeavor in circumstances that are harder than others. Because when you get into the work environment, you may have a boss that you have a hard time connecting with. And can you still do a good job? You know, even if the relationship is there, or can you figure out ways to enhance the relationship and get better? I mean, I mean, sometimes the experience of a teacher you don't initially initially connect with, well, causes you to be like, well, how can I improve the situation? What do they like? What do I need to do? to get on their good side? And you learn without even like really overthinking it, you you really learn different strategies for how to get along with different personality types. I think that's really true. And, and we've talked about teachers there. There are teachers that you remember and, and why, why do you remember them specifically? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I have to say, I have this freakish thing where I remember all my teachers, <laughs> their <laughs> names. <laughs> I guess, I, you know, I was just one of those students that like, I will be forthcoming and say, I was one of those people that I always wanted to be liked by my teachers, even though I may not have always had the experience that I was like, I always wanted to be liked. I wanted the gold star. I wanted to be teacher's pet and all of that. So I do remember my teachers, but the ones that stand out are, um, there are two first and foremost are my fourth grade teacher because she was very organized, right? Which created this like calm and structured environment. And she was very kind. And I, I had her 
right after the third grade teacher, who is the one I think about that I had the hardest time getting along with. You know, for some reason, I just felt like, and I know she had my best interests at heart, like looking back on things as an adult, I know she wanted me to be successful. I know she she wanted me to do well. It's just her strategies for bringing that out in me actually created a lot of stress and angst um, in my life. So to go from a teacher who was very critical, you know, and, and did the public shaming thing to a teacher who was very kind, you know, and, and had this softer approach that was very impactful for me because I was so appreciative that I just, I wanted to show her how appreciative I was of that. And I did that by becoming a better student, right. To show her how much I appreciated her. And then there was a history teacher that I had in my sophomore and junior year in high school. I remember her because I would say she was the one who, and I'll put this in air quotes, discovered me, <laughs> right? She she had the biggest impact on my life. She made me excited about learning and she didn't buy into how I was presenting myself and how I was presenting myself at that time in my life was as a middling student. Like I was just average. I wasn't that great. You know, I've had different experiences in school that caused me to believe I was just an average student of average intelligence. And she was the one who got me to really believe in myself initially and come out of my shell. And I love the fact that it's the kindness of teachers it's the human um connection it's it's them wanting to be part of you your life it's not just about now i'm going to tell you how to learn or we're going to cover this curriculum and that kind of thing and i think we're, we're all humans and we're all like we said we're all connecting in different ways and it's some of those basic things which i don't know whether you're taught those in um, teacher college or anything like that but but it, you know it's just it's just personality sometimes and, it, and like i say when it connects with you th- that strongly it means that you think, yeah, that's the way I want to be. I want to pass that forward. I want to be kind to other people because I know how that makes me feel. Yeah, and you know, Mark, I don't think this this is just coming to me, but like it's also ringing true in my head. I don't think you can have learning without the relationship, right? And in some way, even if it's not a warm and fuzzy relationship, there has to be a respect and an appreciation for what, the teacher or whoever's playing the teacher role for what they're providing. And we know this as adults too. We know that people aren't gonna listen to us if they don't respect us, right? If they if they don't appreciate us as a person, if the relationship isn't there in the work environment, you definitely cannot impact somebody if there isn't a relationship there, which allows for it. So, you know, I know as a facilitator, because I do workshops, you know, and I obviously work privately with clients, the first thing I have to do is build the relationship, earn their trust. You know, I mean, and we do this initially, I mean, we do this on podcasts where we introduce somebody and talk about all the things they're doing in the world to position them as an expert or somebody you would want to listen to. So right from the get-go, right from the introduction, you know, you were helping me to build a relationship with your audience so that when I share something, they can hear it and take it in and consider it. If that relationship wasn't there, if you didn't introduce me or somebody's not impressed with my resume, 
listening, they're going to listen from a standpoint of, I don't see why I need to listen to this person. Right. So for teachers, so important to recognize whether you, whether you, whatever the quality of it is, the relationship is important. And I think also sometimes it's actually being a human, isn't it, as well? I mean, I was thinking uh, it's partly to um, teachers, but there, there, there's a radio presenter um, here in the UK and, and he's very popular. And, um, and he's like, wonder what is it about him that does it? And I think it's partly the fact that you can connect with him and his life. It's not, you know, he's fantastic at the way he delivers it, you know, the, the skills and the understanding of his job are, are first class. Mm-hmm. But it's something about that, like you say, you know them, you kind of love them, you get drawn into what they're trying to do, the, the, the sharing of, of life and all that kind of thing becomes a regular thing because it's like a daily show, so you get to hear mm-hmm. it all the time. And like I say, it's that relationship which becomes personal, even though is a radio presenter or even as a podcaster you know it's one to many um but actually you can still have that personal contact and even a teacher and even it's like you know one teacher to 30 or 40 children however it might be you can still have that one-to-one connection like say in that respect and that ongoing learning which is is key like exactly as you just said Mm -hmm. Yeah, bringing in the human element. And, you know, you don't have to go into every mistake you've ever made. That's not the (laughs) totality of your humanity. But like you said earlier, being kind, sharing a little bit, you know, and also seeing other people. Like, and really, you know, with this, the history teacher I was talking about, I felt like she really saw me. She saw past the facade to who I really was. That's very impactful. Now with a radio show or a podcast, I know that person can't necessarily see me because they they don't really know me. But in the sharing of their life and the sharing of um, their own experiences, they validate mine to some extent. So I feel my experience are validated. And there's many podcast hosts where I feel like I'm friends with them, even if they don't know I exist. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Who did you admire when you were young and what was it about that person that had such an impact? Yeah, I'm going to double down on this history teacher because this this was a huge one for me. Although, of course, I admired my parents and family members and there were other people out in the world who were doing great things. And I was totally like, wow, look at what they're doing because of the impact this person had on my life. Um, it's It's this history teacher. And I admired her not only for all the reasons I stated, She was also very knowledgeable and had a lot of common sense. She was funny, but she knew when to get down to business. You know, she was aware of the vibe in the room and in tune with individual students and what they needed from her. She was responsive and non-judgmental. There was just, because of all these things, it just created this light about her, a lightness about her that drew people to her, right? She was that balance of, competence and being kind right like being able to handle the whole room but also sensitive to the individual and i would say in a lot of ways as a you know i see myself as an archetypical teacher and healer type person and i i can see in retrospect how my experience watching her and seeing how she did things shaped how i approach my work today where I try to do the same thing in workshops or working privately with clients. I would say the most crucial um, thing I do with my clients is help them to believe in themselves and see themselves for who they really are and not just 
what they do for others or the facade that they build up about themselves or their strategy for coping with stress is to help them really see themselves and really believe in themselves. And it's so funny because that's what this teacher did for me and why I have I hold so much love for her even today, even though I haven't seen her in gosh, like 26 years, you know, she, like she's still very present in my life today. And I'm interested, you sort of said about your one-on-one coaching and things. I mean, I know from teaching um, drums and percussion, it's like I, you sort of, you, sometimes you turn up and, and you have a conversation and you think, oh, this lesson's going to go in this way or this workshop's going to go in this way because this is what we've done in the last however many workshops. Um, yeah. And then, and then they, they show up in your life that day and you're just like, no, that's just really not the, it's not the right day. Something's happened mm-hmm. or they're, they're, they're somewhere emotionally, which means that it just needs to be different. And I guess that's the sort of thing you're talking about, is it? It's that kind of, you sort of read the experience, you read the room, you, you have a feeling that actually it's not, well, it never is about you. It's about how you can help the person that you're working with. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? That can happen in a group too, because if you were leading a band, right, and they were coming for band practice, you would also know that, okay, I had this plan, (laughs) (laughs) but this is how they're all showing up today. So how do I meet the needs? Because if you try to stick to the plan, it's it's not going to go well. But if you can meet people where they are, right, you can create something unexpected and perhaps produce more than you thought you would. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true and what just struck me there as well is that you can do that um personally as well because um you can have a plan oh today I'm going to be doing x and I've got my to-do list and I've got this and this is how I'm going to be and then you <laughs> you wake up in the morning and you think I'm really not there today you know I, <laughs> I, I I can meditate I can go for a walk I can do whatever but it's just one of those days and actually being sensitive to who you are yeah. within yourself and actually get, having a little bit of leeway and just you know what I'm going to throw what that was that throw that out the window and I'm just going to start again and I'm going to rethink what I think my day wants to be based on how I am as well right definitely this I have this experience as a coach and I can imagine teachers also experience this as well where there's a lot of self-management that goes on and sometimes you can manage yourself right back on track and sometimes management needs to be okay this is what i have to give today right and i like i'm going to make this work but it's not going it might not look the way it normally does you know um there there are some days where and actually sometimes that works for what we need to do you know if i find there are some days where gosh, there's a lot going on and and I can be distracted. It really helps me hone my skills of managing my attention and my listening skills. And I may have had a plan that day where it was going to require more engagement on my part, but I might take a, a step back and do something different because in coaching and in teaching and learning, it's, it's a symbiotic relationship. It's not just what's going on for the student, it's what's going on for the teacher too, you know? And even I find often the books I'm reading, the podcasts I'm listening to, a movie that I've seen recently, an article that I've read might impact and play into what comes up in the session and how I, how I, like the conversation we have and, and what I offer as a perspective. So, you know, it's, it's going back, Mark. Here's a trend. It's going back to it's the relationship that yeah. creates the experience. 
Yeah, no, that that's that's absolutely true. And um, there's something else which just struck me there as well, which I had recently. It's um, it's I think it's more of a it's a performer type thing. But you turn up um, over the course of a week, and you have the adrenaline of 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 it being a, something new, a new show. You you don't know it as well as you might like to because you've only had a certain amount of rehearsal, and you're like geared up to the nines about how it's going to go. And you know your your skills and training and understanding mean that it usually goes brilliantly and, and all that kind of thing. <laughs> but then 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 you have a sort of a second show where you think, well, you've got the experience of having done it, so you think that's fine. And uh, and then the next day you've kind of done it twice, so therefore, oh, it's okay. I can sort of take my foot off the gas a little bit, and not be quite so on edge. And then yeah. then you do another couple of days, and then you're like, oh yeah, I'm sort of not really concentrating enough now, and you sort of end up having that sort of quick, oh no, quite. I need to go and just you know really make sure I'm still focusing. And then you know a few shows go by, and you're almost thinking about what you're having for dinner halfway through what you're doing and it just yeah. makes and it just makes me laugh to myself sometimes it's like it's exactly the same thing but my experience on every single one of those things is slightly different and yeah. um and I remember working with a conductor a few years ago now and he said you have to remember especially if you're doing the same sort of things over and over and over it's a percentage game you know it's that kind of each one will be different each experience will be different but your job is to provide a high percentage of quality in what you're doing because everything there are some things that you can't cope with some things which you can't control and anything can happen in live performance certainly um but actually it's having that understanding overall that keeps that high percentage at which gives you your the quality that you want to experience yeah it's so interesting how you you talk about that how you know in the beginning it's it's almost like your your experience of being amped up right really creates a great show for you and you have this feeling of like oh my god we killed it i was so nervous about it but the expectations were kind of low so you over delivered and how the experience of things changes over time and you notice like oh this is becoming old hat i have to recreate this experience i have to make it interest or i have to recommit you know to providing a good performance and it you know it just shows that we go through stages too with with some of these things as well and eventually you probably get to the point where you're like okay now we're ready to start with a new group or teach somebody else how to do or start with a new show like we've gotten past um the lifetime of this experience and it needs to be created anew but as long as you're showing up you know wherever you are in the stages then you're gonna you're gonna respond to what's needed in the moment yeah i think that's it and and i'm sure people can relate that to the to the experience of of different teachers like i say that when you're younger and you've got one teacher all year you have that you know the adrenaline of a new teacher and how's it going to be and then by the time you've gone through a whole year it's like you know you could almost be best friends in in, in, in whichever way that we've been talking about before and then um yeah how you want that to be and, and how that relationship develops and as we said you know again it's relationships it's how it makes you feel and, and, and how you deal with that and how you understand it which is absolutely key yeah, and it's making me think about how <laughs> I have such an appreciation for teachers and what they go through. And also, it makes me think about also based on the time of the year, like what you need to do. Because I know as a workshop facilitator, it's much easier to deliver a workshop in the morning. After lunch, we have to do more interactive type of things (laughs) it needs to be more physical and engaging you can't just give a lot of information to somebody and then you know for kids like 
if it's right before the holidays, <laughs> right before the summer, like as a teacher, like right when you kind of want to take your foot off the gas, you're like, nope, I've got to like amp up and bring my best. I need to keep their attention. Otherwise I'm going to lose them. Right. So it, it, again, that symbiotic relationship of what's your experience with this, you may have delivered this information time and time again, but if you go on autopilot, you're going to lose your audience. So you have to like make it fresh, recreate it, make it interesting for yourself because you need to make it interesting for the audience. And as a musical performer, it's very clear that the people who pay for the seats, they're your audience. But as a teacher, the child or the person who is there to be your student, they're your audience. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I, and I think about that quite a lot actually. It's that kind of they're your audience today. And like I say, if you've done it once or you've done it a million times, it's their often their first experience of that in whichever way. And if you can keep that at the forefront of your mind, I think that gives you a pretty good guidance of uh, of how you're going to do. Absolutely. What was the best piece of advice you've ever been given and who gave it to you? The best piece of advice um, was anonymous. I actually saw it, I think I saw it the first time as a meme on the social webs and it was unattributed, but it was very impactful. It was be compassionate toward everyone you meet. Everyone is going through something and you have no idea what it is. And I try to keep this top of mind because it's easy to be out in the world interacting with people, right? We're in grocery stores, we're at work or, you know, and people are doing what they do and they don't always show up as helpful or awesome, right? They're, they're just showing up how they are. And it's easy to judge somebody about what they should and shouldn't be doing, what they should and shouldn't be saying. But I try to remind myself that, I don't know what's going on in somebody's private life, you know, and they could really be going through something big and that's what's causing them to, you know, not be very self-aware, right. Or mindful of other people. And that, you know, if I can bring compassion, it also is going to help my own stress level, right. Cause otherwise I'm just going to get stressed out and there could be a good reason, you know, why they're, they're showing up the way they do. So, Again, it's be compassionate towards everyone you meet because everyone's going through something and you have no idea what it is. Yeah, I, I really love that. And it really is a case of it's taking ownership of what how you want to show up, isn't it? You know, like say, rather than just being an initial reaction to, to how, if, that's how someone might be, like, so you really have no idea what's going on. That's uh, I think it's a really important thing for everyone to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so what advice would you give your, your younger self if you had to sit uh, Jodie Flynn down and say, this is what I think you should remember uh, if you could go back in time, what would that piece of advice be? It's so funny, Mark. I'm going to give you a quick answer, but this actually for me, because I'm also a podcaster, cre- like had me in another Word doc creating a whole list of things, <laughs> advice I would give my younger self. And I think I'm going to turn that into a podcast episode for women taking the lead. But um, for this episode, I would say the advice I would give my younger self is it's two things. Let go of the beliefs you have about yourself that don't serve you. Embrace the beliefs that strengthen you and motivate you to go after what you want. And this next piece is it's going to come out of left field in the course of this conversation, but it's very relevant to the question you asked. I would also tell my younger self, nurture your relationship with God 
because it is the relationship you have with yourself. And what's funny about this question too, Mark, is this is the same advice I would give myself today, my 44-year-old self. <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, and I think that's the that's the thing. As we get older in in our years, we don't we don't we don't necessarily getting older within who we truly are. And I think that's something to remember, isn't it? As we uh, as we sort of develop through the, our journey, whatever that age happens to be. Yeah, if it's good advice, it's good advice, no matter how old you are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, what does your future look like? I'd say my future is an adventure of twists and turns that unfolds each day, you know, is like the quick and easy answer. But what I know exists in my future is a mission of waking up as many people as possible to how powerful and awesome they are. And I'm going to do this through podcasts, books, videos, public speaking, or any medium that calls to me. And I know at the age of 44, I've barely scratched the surface of who I am and what I bring to the world. And I know this is true about others, too. So I would say my future is pretty exciting. You beat, you beat me to the punch oh, the punchline there really I was going to say it is exactly that you know it sounds exciting and it's you know when you feel like there's so much you can do and so much opportunity and so much value you can bring and, and support that you can do then it it has to be bright doesn't it I think yeah because I think if you're just open to whatever comes and knowing that it is going to be beneficial whatever it looks like then there's really nothing that to worry about or be afraid of or like put up the defensive walls against it's just like okay and sometimes I wake up with that attitude like okay let's see what today brings (laughs) even if I ended the day yesterday like utterly exhausted I left it on the field and you know crawled across the finish line it's like okay it's a new day let's do this yeah I love that absolutely love that so We've talked already about how sort of various resources and books and things have, have, have made an impact in, in terms of how you might interpret them in your workshops and that kind of thing. But is there a, a podcast or a book or a film or a video, a song or, or anything which has had a really big impact on your life? And why was that? I've got a list, but I'll, I'll make it quick. Let me just say that as a recovering, perfectionistic, overachieving people pleaser, these all had a a big impact on me. So for books, it was Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and It's All Small Stuff by Richard Carlson, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, A New Earth and the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, The Gifts of Imperfection and Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, and Loving What Is by Byron Katie. For films, you'll like this one, Stand and Deliver, which was an amazing movie about believing in yourself and, you know, and obviously in the school environment. And then there was also Miracle and Anne of Green Gables, which I know seems a little Pollyannish, but she was also... um, somebody who really worked hard was a kind person and strived she loved to learn and and i loved that about her and then more recently because podcasts are a relatively new invention um i'm currently getting a lot out of the robcast with rob bell 
The Lively Show with Jess Lively. And, you know, those two podcasts explore, um, the Robcast explores spirituality in the context of sometimes Christianity, Judaism, um, but he also um, touches on other practices. And The Lively Show, again, deals with the non-physical, but more along the lines of um, your inner voice, law of attraction, um, spiral dynamics, that type of thing. And then I just have to say, I get a lot out of binge mode. So binge mode, Game of Thrones, and binge mode's Harry Potter, because <laughs> they just bring utter joy to me. It's it's not necessarily about that experience is not about having to achieve something or check a box or, you know, overcome anything. It's just utter and pure enjoyment. And that's important. Absolutely. And there's there's a lifetime of things to explore there, which I absolutely love because that's what we're doing uh, through our life, isn't it? Is just exploring all these things. And and don't worry if you didn't catch all those things when you first listened to this. It's going to be on the show notes. If you go to educationonfire.com and in the search bar, just put in Jodie Flynn. Her show page will pop up and I'll have links to all of these things so you can easily just check them out and explore them um, directly from there. So thank you so much, Jodie. For those people who've are so inspired and want to find out more about you and, and and check out your podcast and everything that you're doing where's the best place for them to connect and find out yeah my hub is womentakingthelead.com that's my website so you can find my podcast my book and also all the buttons for the social media platforms of your choice absolutely wonderful thank you so much and thank you jody for sharing your wisdom and allowing us to learn from your fantastic experiences Mark, thank you for the opportunity and thank you to those of you who are listening and I hope you got tons of value from this. Thanks for listening to the Learning on Fire podcast. For more information, please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.